All right, if you brought a Bible, we're in 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1. Um, just get a read through 2 Peter 1, uh, 1 through 9 uh, with you. Uh, we started this last week. We talked about we want to be people that are of character, um, and that's going to take um, some work on our part to be people of character, and we're going to dive into um, a couple uh, characteristics, traits, um, uh, ways, evidence of ways that, that we show our faith. Um, it's not evidence of, it's not anything to support what we need um, in order for to get us into heaven, but it's, these are just evidences of our faiths. And so Simon Peter says in verse 1, Peter, uh, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and as, as and of Jesus, our, our Lord. And so our faith is in the person. We talked about this last week. Our faith is in, in a person, not an effort, you know, not a merit, not something that we earn, not in a religion system or scheme or philosophy. Our, our faith is in a person of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then he says in verse uh, 3, seeing that his divine power um, so he's given us, Jesus personally has given us power. So it's in the person. Now what will happen is when we put a faith in the person, we have his divine power and has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. And so everything already in us, we have, we have what's in us, the ability to have life, eternal life, and godliness, to live a God-likeness, to live our lives and to be like Jesus. And that ought to be your goal and my goal in our life that we are to be like Jesus. And so that's what's already in us. When you put your faith in Jesus, you put your faith in the person. The person has given you the divine power to live a life, uh, to live a life in godliness through the true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. Verse 4, for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. And so not only we put our faith in the person, we've put our faith in the power, and we put our faith in not just the promises, but these precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, that you have the power, the divine nature in you to do what you couldn't do on your own, to act like Jesus acted, to be Jesus to a world that needs Jesus. You have this divine nature about you. And with nature, nature involves appetite. You know, nature involves behavior. You know, nature involves who you associate with. And so nature, you know, a part of nature includes those three things. And so when you have a divine nature, that should influence your behavior. That should influence your appetites, what you desire, what your passions. It should influence that. As a divine nature, it should influence who you associate with. Who you, are, who you hang out with, who influences you, especially young people, this is so important. Parents of young people, this is so important. Your, who they associate with, who they hang out with, will direct their path. Who they hang out with, what they are like is how your kid is. Like you're like, oh my kid, they're like that, but my kid, no, no, no. They have fooled you. They are just like them you just are being fooled by your own kid, naive to your own kid. Who they hang out with will directly affect 
what they, their decisions and the choices that they make in this life. And so as having a divine nature, it's important for us to behave the way that God wants us to behave, associate who God wants us to associate with, and, um, and act the way that God wants us to act and, and have an appetite for who, what God wants to have an appetite for. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust, verse 5. Now for this very reason also, now... Applying all diligence in your faith supply. Now, he's, here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, faith in the person of Jesus is what saves you. And when that happens, you get the power, his divine power. When that happens, you realize the promises that he has. Faith in the person alone is what saves you. What we add to, this is sort of a supplement, Paul, Peter is saying. This is a supplement to what we add to it. This is what establishes our character. This is what inspires that divine power and that divine nature in us. These are the things that we need to work on. He says we need to apply these things with all diligence, meaning we need to work at it, work at it, work at it. I mean, keep applying every single day these things to your life. Every single day until you've accomplished, until you're continually seeing yourself mature, seeing yourself grow in your faith. This is not the means to which you get to heaven by this, these list of things that we're going to go over in the next few weeks. This is just, it's faith in the person alone. That's what gets you eternal life. That's what gets you the divine power, the ability to do these things. That's what changes your nature. It's faith in the person of Jesus alone. These things that we're going to talk about here in a minute, these things are just the supplement to your faith. These are the things, this is, this is, this is important. This is the evidence of your faith in the person of Jesus. This is what proves that you are a follower of Jesus. This is what shows that you are becoming more like Jesus because life and godliness is already in you. Are you with me so far? Are you good? Everybody good? Okay. So he says the first thing that we want to add, applying all diligence in your face apply um, we want to add moral excellence. Now, before I get that, get there, I wanted to continue to, I wanted to, um, you know, talk, talk to you about the benefits. We talked about this last week, at the end of the last week. The benefits are that you will become fruitful and you have vision. You become fruitful in your life and you have vision to see things the way that God sees things. Those are the benefits of adding this supply, adding this, these supplements to your faith. These are the benefits. You are fruitful in your life, and you have vision to see things the way God sees things. And we all need that vision. And we all need to produce fruit. Because here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, do you know how you're going to know that they're my disciples? You know how you're gonna, they're going to know that you're a follower of me? By your fruits. By their fruits. That's how they'll know. And so you and I need to have the goal of, I want fruits in my life. I want to produce fruits in my life. God, I need you to already, you've already begun a good work in me, according to Scripture. He has already begun a good work in you and in me. And you and I now need to work out our salvation. That's what that means. This is the working out process of what God has already begun inside of you. Okay? The, the benefits, fruitfulness, the benefits, vision, to see the way that you're supposed to see 
life, okay? So the first thing he tells us to add to our faith, add to our faith as a supplement to our faith, as evidence of our faith that we have in Jesus, okay? If you have that, this is what you, you and I, we need to apply this every day with diligence every day. He says this, moral excellence, moral excellence, okay? Now, I want to look at the, the, the word excellence, okay? In other versions, it says goodness. In other versions, it says virtue. They all mean the same, virtue, goodness. But the, in, in this version that we're using, New American Standard Bible, it, it tells you what it, what it actually means right off the bat. It, mean, it tells you this means moral excellence. And that word excellent means this, the fulfillment of a thing, the fulfillment of a thing. Um, when something in nature fulfills its purpose, that's excellent. When something in nature fulfills its design purpose, that's excellence. It was used in, in, in that, in that um, early years, in that, this day when it was written, it was used when the gods would do an heroic deed. It would be described as virtuous. It would be described as something that was excellent. But as the, the idea is this, is that when a land produces crops, that land does what it was meant to do. It fulfilled what it was supposed to do. And that made it excellent. When a land produces crop, when a tool, when you use a tool and the tool does what you want it to do, what it was meant to do, when you take a hammer and you drive a nail through a board, that's excellent. That's excellent because it does what it's supposed to do. When an athlete scores a touchdown, that's excellent. When an athlete scores a basketball into a hoop, that's excellent. When an athlete makes connection with a baseball and it gets a hit or a home run, that's excellent. Why? Because that's the purpose. They're fulfilling the purpose of what it was intended to do. And so here, here Peter's telling them, here's what you need to add. You need to add moral excellence, meaning you have been created with a purpose, and your purpose is to live out morality in an immoral world. That you're fulfilling a purpose of that. You are just like an athlete when he hits a home run. Just like a farmer when he sows his seed and his produces a crop. Just like, you know, when you use a tool and it, and it does its job, you and I are meant to live out moral, excellent lives. Moral, excellent lives. Which means this, that we need to always have a good conscience. A good conscience, okay? Because morals is this, good conscience that bears witness to God's demands. So our moral standard is this. Our moral standard is God's commands, God's words. And what, as a Christian, as a Christian, we have, when we have a good conscience, is that when we are honoring and living out the moral standard which God has called us to live. And a good conscience bears witness to God's commands. And so when you know that you do something that is contrary to what God tells you not to do, how do you feel? You feel bad, don't you? You feel bad about it. 
And then I, here's, the, here's the amazing thing, that God has, even before he's set a standard of his commands or his, his words, God has placed into every person a conscience, a God-shaped whole, a vacuum that tells somebody, even if they don't honor his word, even if they don't follow his commands, there's something inside of every person that tells them what is right and what is wrong. But God's word puts a name to it. God's word, God's law reveals that, though people already know inside of them what is wrong and what is right. And that's what our conscience does for us. It tells us what is right and it tells us what is wrong. And as a Christian, we're able to find scripture, God's word, to identify what is moral and what is immoral. Are you with me? And when we live out God's word in a moral way, and we apply with all diligence his moral word, his moral virtue, his moral excellence, then we are adding to our faith something that is going to help us get somewhere. And we need to work at this. Have, how many of you have ever done this before? I don't, I'm, I'm just trying to think of an example of how this works. I don't know if this is going to fall flat or not. But any of you tried to just get on, onto a raft in a lake and, and just, just relax for a while? And then when you sort of kind of get lost you know, um, on the raft, maybe you fell asleep or maybe you're listening, you know, to something or maybe you're thinking about something. You kind of come to your senses and you realize that you're way far away from it. Has this ever happened to anybody before? Okay, so this is sort of the analogy here. This is sort of the illustration that I want to use. So when, when, when it comes to our faith and the reason why we need to apply these, this thing like moral excellence is because if we think that we can just stay where we're at, it doesn't work that way. If you think that I'm good when it comes to my relationship with God, I'm good when it comes to my standard of living and what I want to do, you know what it's like? It's like you getting on a raft, and you know what happens? You drift away. You drift away. You ha- and I have to work at staying where we want to stay, but that's not even the goal. Like if you are getting on a raft and you're starting to float away, what do you have to do? You have to kind of like, you're laying down, you're trying to paddle back to, you know, where the beach is. You know what I'm saying? You have to work at just staying where you're at. If you think that you can just float along in your spiritual life and, it, you, you, and it's okay where you're at right now, this is what's going to happen. You are floating further and further and further away. It even takes effort to just stay where you're at. But God wants you to keep moving. God wants you to keep going to a destination, to a place of that is being like Jesus. Just to stay, are you with me? Are you, are you following me? Just to stay where you're at is going to take work. And so if you decide, I'm not going to, I have my faith in Jesus, and that's what I have. 
I have my life and the standard that I want to live my life. And even though that I know that it contradicts his moral code, what's happening to you is that you're drifting further and further and further and further and further away. That's what's happening. You know the Bible talks about? Now, um, I want to give you a couple examples. When the Bible talks about good conscience, good conscience, uh, Peter talks about this. But he also says, here's what's going to happen. Now, let me show you 1 Peter 3.16. Okay, 1 Peter 3.16. We have that 1 Peter 3.16? Maybe. We can go there. Okay. He says in this, and keep a good conscience. And keep a good conscience so that in the things in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will put, be put to shame. He says, listen, you need to have, and I need to have, a good conscience. And the things that people put us to shame about, or the people, things that people say about us should, should not be because of our bad behavior. It should be because of our good behavior. If people are going to slander you and talk bad about you, it, it ought to be because of your moral excellence. But you know what happens when we don't apply in all diligence with this? You know what happens when we don't work at this, work out our salvation in fear and trembling but because of what God has already begun a good work in you? You know what happens? We begin to float away. And here's what happens. Now, I don't have these verses for you. You can write these things down and go back to them later if you want. But here's what happens if we don't apply moral excellence to our lives. Here's what happens. And according to Titus 1.15, that we have a defiled conscience. That what begins to happen as we sort of float away, enjoying the raft in our own little world, we start to have not a good conscience, but we start to have a defiled conscience. Which means, if, you're, if you look at it as an analogy of, the, of a window, a window is meant to be clear, and these are not the greatest examples to use, but a window is meant to be clear, and it's meant to be able to see through, and light is to be able to shine through it. But when, what happens is when you defile you, you know, your conscience by just floating and being satisfied with where you're at, what happens is your window becomes dirty. You dirty up your window, and it's harder for light to shine through. It's harder for it to see through. That's what he describes as a defiled conscience, but it gets worse than that as we drift further and further away. According to 1 Timothy 4.2, that not only do we have a defiled conscience, but we have a seared conscience. That there's a, it's not just a window that has grime on it that you can clean off, but it has a seared conscience. So it's like a window that has something permanent on there that won't come off. And yeah, there might be areas that you can shine, still shine through, but it's seared. It's on there permanently. And this is what happens. I'm telling you, if we're not careful, if we don't apply with all diligence, if we don't work at this, if we don't add this supplement to our faith of moral excellence, to live out what you were designed to live out, to live out the way that you were fulfilled, to fulfill something that you were designed to do, let me tell you something. It's going to lead us down to a defiled conscious, to then a seared conscious. And then, and then, according to Hebrews chapter 10, I think in verse 22, it says, that, it says this, 
that we will have, and there are people that have, an evil conscience. I mean, you're talking about, I mean, years and years and years of floating and floating and doing nothing about adding this supplement to your faith. That you have a defiled conscience, and then a seared conscience, and then an evil conscience, where it doesn't even matter to you what is right. That you're just going to do whatever you want to do, and I don't care what God says, I don't care what my parents say, I don't care what anybody in authority says, I don't care what my, job, my, my boss says, I don't care what anybody, my friends say, I don't care, I am going to do what I want to do when I want to do it, and all you are doing is living a life in a way that you were never designed Never intended to live. I don't want us to be a people. I don't want you to be somebody just sort of floating. Because just like how we are on a raft, if we just lay there and do nothing, you're going to find yourself in a place where you don't want to go, where you don't want to be. So I want you, I want you, look at me, look at me, this is so important. What does this do? Let's, let me remind you, this brings fruit in your life. What does this do? This brings vision to your life. You begin to see things the way that God sees things. And listen, God doesn't give you his word to hold you back or to restrict you from good things. God is working for you, for your joy. He wants you to experience him in this, in this life of joy and goodness and graciousness and gratitude and understanding that your life was meant for something bigger than what you can even imagine. Like what he wants to do in and through you. I mean, I'm telling you, there's no end to that. It's not because he's going, you follow my rules and you live by my rules and that's the way it's going to be and we live miserable, pathetic lives. That's not who our God is. Our God is loving and gracious and compassionate and he's patient and he is good. That's who he is and he has the best for you and what he wants for you and what I want as your pastor for you is to have fruit in your life and you start experiencing fruit in your life and there's nothing better. Money can't buy that fruit. No possession can buy that fruit. There's no thing that you can have in this world that can compare to what fruit will do in your life and you won't walk around nearsighted or blind. You're gonna have vision to see things in the way that God sees things and there's nothing better than that and so he says to you add to your faith and apply with all diligence moral excellence because that's what's best for you best for you now I man I gave too long of announcements ah I mean, I, this is like the introduction, by the way. I, I didn't even, this is all that I got done today. I apologize. Um, so here's what, here's what I want to end. Here's, here's how we're going to end. And, and we're just going to, 
we're, we're going to move through these, and I'm going to be respectful. So I'm going to hopefully take just a few more minutes of your time, okay? First Peter 3.16, he says, And keep a good conscience so that the things in which you are slandered, those revile your, your, for your good behavior in Christ, will, put, will be put to shame. And he actually, before this, gives us ways to live out this moral excellence. Okay? So I, don't, I didn't want to just put out this blanket statement of be morally excellent and find in Scripture where that says. I don't want to do that. I'd never try to do that. I want to try to give you helpful, practical things to do. And I think Peter does that. Okay? Peter does that. Peter, in 1 Peter 3, he quotes from Psalm 34. So I think that that's cool because Peter is going, these are not my words, though he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these down. He's saying, I'm going to give you what the Holy Spirit gave David thousands of years ago for you to live this out, to live out moral excellence. So he uses God's moral law, God's moral code, and says, this is how you live out moral excellence. And Peter's going, even though I could write some things down that would be, in, be inspired by the Holy Spirit, but that's not what I'm going to do. He says, I'm going to, I'm going to write these things down. And so that's sort of the end result of that. I want you to taste and see, but we're not quite there yet, Neva, so hold on. I'm sorry. So I want you to go to 1 Peter 3, um, verses 10 and 11. Here's what he says, okay? Now, man, I wish I had more time to get into these things, but man, maybe you should get into these things and you should discover what these things really mean, but I'm gonna try to do the best I can to show you what they are. So this is him quoting from Psalm 34. This is Peter quoting David and saying, this is how you have a good conscience. This is how you live out moral excellence. This is what he says. Here's what he says. He says, For the one who desires life, this is a direct quote from Psalm 34. For the one who desires life to love and see good days. Okay? He says, here's where I want you to start. He says, I want you to start by seeing every day as good. This is where I want you to start. How you start with moral excellence. He says, I want you to see what is good. I, we, I put in, um, in yellow, desires life. What that means is this, and what Jesus meant by this. Jesus said, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the enemy wants to do to us. He wants to steal, kill, destroy. But then he says this, but I have come, Jesus Jesus says, I have come to give life, life to the full, life abundant. That's what this is talking about. He says, says, the one who desires life, the one who desires to see life in the fullness, the one who desires to see abundant life. And this is not talking about health or wealth or status. What this is talking about, this is talking about character. This is talking about faith. He says, and I I want you to first, how you begin this process of moral excellence, I want you to first enjoy the days that God has given you. That this is a day that the Lord has made and we 
will rejoice and be glad in it. This is a day that God has made and we're going to rejoice and we're going to be glad in it. And what we see, what we see in life is this. We either see life that we have to endure. We have to endure. We're like, oh, I got like, to wake up and I got to endure another day. Like, this is not where he wants us to begin. We, we see life in a way that we can escape. So sometimes we think we need to run from responsibility, ignore the struggles. Listen, that's what the enemy wants you to feel. The enemy wants you to think that you have to endure in this life. The enemy wants you to think that you have to find an escape in this life. But God is saying and Jesus is saying to us, here's where we see, here's where we start. I want you to enjoy life. I want you to know that you can, because of his divine power and his divine nature and you applying with all diligence, moral excellence, that you can have a life of enjoyment. That you can see every single day in the good in each day. Not enduring it, not trying to escape from it, but enjoying it. So he says, here's what I want you to do. He says, I want you to see good days, love and see good days. And then he says this, then he says this, he says this. He says this, must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Man, this is like a two-hour sermon that I, would, I could get into. But he says, first I want you to see the good in each day. And then he says, I want you to speak with truth. I want you to speak life. I want you to speak what is true. He says, not speaking deceit. And we know, if you got to read James 3. Somebody write that down, James 3. you got to read James chapter number 3 because James talks about the thing I have. And, and what a thing I have to do. And we don't need, I don't need to go very far back to know that this thing I have can bring a whole lot of hurt and a whole lot of hurt. I said pain. It can. And this is a little small thing. James like, this is like a bit in a horse. That's what this thing is. And it directs and it steers some powerful animal. This is like a rudder. And this thing can direct and can steer a powerful ship. He says, this thing right here, this is like a venomous snake, if you're not careful. This thing is like a wild animal, if you're not, if you don't cage it and keep it under God's care and protection. He says, but you know what else it could be? James said, it could be a fountain of life that gives refreshment and encouragement to people. It could be a tree that brings about fruit and provision for the food of some, somebody's soul that needs it. That's what this thing can do. And here's what he says. You want to live moral excellence? You need to see the good in days. And you need to speak what is true. Speak what is true. The enemy, he's a liar. He's a liar. He's a manipulator. He does a deceiver. He's an instigator. That's what the enemy does in and through you. But man, you in the divine nature, divine power in you, faith that you've put in Jesus, we need to speak truth. Speak the truth. That's what we need to do. The third one is this, how to live out moral excellence. He says he must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. 
So not only are we to see the good in days, but we're to speak what is true. And then I wrote this down, that we need to search or seek out what is right. That we need to turn away from evil, turn away from sin. That we're on our raft and we floated too far away. We need to start paddling, everybody. We need to start moving back to where we were and then so we can get a, a, a place to start from and then we can go from there because there's, a, there's a, a, a growth that happened. There's a destination that God wants you to go to and that is being more like Jesus. And so we need to search out or seek out peace and we need to pursue it. We need to turn away from sin and say, I am gonna do what is good. This is what he's called us to do. This is what it looks like practically to live out moral excellence. To see the good in the day that God has made for you. To speak life and truth to people. And to search out and to seek out what is good what is right what is holy what is worthy of God's praise that's what he's called us to do and I think Peter said you want to have a good conscience you want to have moral excellence these are the where you start well oftentimes our morality comes down to what we say and what we do, isn't it? And what, basically what it boils down to, our moral excellence comes down to what we say and what we do. I want you to see, I want you to say, and I want you to search or seek what is good, what is right. And then you will fulfill your purpose, God's purpose for your life. That's what moral excellence is. I was supposed to get into knowledge but I don't have time. So we'll pick that up next week. Okay, let's pray. God, thanks for the time. Thanks for the opportunity to share. I pray, Lord, that with all diligence, we understand that we need to work. We need to apply. We need to say, you know what? Today, starting today, I'm gonna try to see and enjoy life for what it is, a gift that you've extended a day that you made, and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Today, today, I'm going to speak what is good, what is right, what is true. Not speak lies, because that's what the enemy wants, but to speak what is true. What comes out of my mouth is meant to be a fountain. It's meant to be a tree that bears fruit, life, people that need it. Today, I'm going to begin today by searching out and seeking out what is good, and turn away what is bad, turn away what is evil, to have peace in my life, and that's what we all need. We all need peace. Encourage each one to apply these things as hard as they can, work at them every single day. What we say and what we do and how we act and the way that we see life, I'm telling you, Lord, you know that that will bring fruit in our life and we'll have vision, we'll have vision. Bless the rest of the weekend for each one. Give them a great day. I pray that they come back and serve with us tomorrow morning. I pray they do.
Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Boy, your kids are going to have a blast on that float too. They're going to